What is the benefit of placing your field of interest later on in your third year of clerkship rotations? Why is it important to find good mentors? How do you organize and rank 33 programs you're going to apply for a residency? What is a good way to find a place to live on the opposite side of the country without physically being there? Today on Talking to Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Matt, a recent graduate of the University of Utah School of Medicine and new neurology resident at the University of Rochester Medical Center. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, I got a returning guest today on the pod, Matt. Congratulations. Thanks, Dr. Chan. For Fourth year, me. soon to be an MD. Soon to be an MD. That's How correct. does it feel to be this close to graduation? You know, it, it feels good. It feels like a lot of work has been accomplished. Mm -hmm. It also feels a bit surreal. It hasn't necessarily all the way sunk in yet. I'm excited to take the next step though. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So let's walk like, so we had you on a few years ago. Let's let's kind of wind it back a bit. Mm -hmm. Third year starts. What kind of doctor did you think you're going to be when third year started? So I, I came into medical school. So going into neurology to put that out there. I came into medical school with an interest in neurosciences. Okay. So we'll just sort of preface it with that. But I also, I was really interested in going through third year with, with an open mind, mm -hmm. um, really trying to take in everything that I could. So, you know, I, I was keeping the neurosciences option open, but then thinking, gosh, what, what else is it that I'd be interested in? And so at the beginning of third year, I, I was a little unclear. And then I went through things and I enjoyed some things, some more than others. And then it was finally I got to my uh, third year clerkship in neurology in April. So the end of my third year. Ooh, was that by design? You know, it, it, I think it just kind of fell into place um, towards the end. But I, I, I do know that there is, there is some of this advice out there to say, well, if you, if you have an interest in something – try and maybe put it a little bit later. So mm -hmm. during the, the first couple of months of third year, as you're, as you're gaining your grounds clinically, um, you know, you would be able to learn some things and then, and sort of be able to build off of that and then shine a little bit more, if you will, um, in, in a specialty that you would be interested in. Cause that would be important moving forward later. So I did have it in April and about two weeks in, uh, is kind of when I had this aha moment that, you know, gosh, neurology is, is my fit. It, it's, I like seizures. It, I, like I, I like seizures. <laughs> I like seizures. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it maybe wasn't uh, quite like that, but okay. it, it, it was, it was definitely, um, uh, an invested interest in the pathophys mm -hmm. of, of neurology. I enjoyed being around all of the residents. I felt that I gelled well with the personalities in neurology. I felt, uh, really comfortable with the attendings. I had wonderful mentors during mm -hmm. my, rounds on third year. And so it really all just came together uh, for me about that point in time. Um, so I didn't know going into third year what I wanted to be, had some of an idea. And I guess I would say I, I wasn't too surprised when neurology came around and I said, gosh, this is my fit. So it just resonated with you. It did. So it sounds like everything, the content, the material, the, the attendings, the teaching, the, you know, the peers, everything kind of clicked. You know? Yeah, and and I and, and for you know I I didn't think I guess it would because um, a lot of people will tell you that you know you find what you sort of fit in with, and it wasn't until the end of my third year that, that I had that feeling. 
uh, did you have like the most awesome reflex hammer ever? Because neurologists usually <laughs> yeah. have like like these huge swords. They that, do. Yeah, they do. Unfortunately, no. As the medical student, I, I came into med school buying one of those cheap plastic ones. The that, tomahawk. The tomahawks that, that they make fun of. That's yes. exactly right. I, I was always nervous to bring out in front of one of my attendants. <laughs> and, and they try, tell you this is a pediatric. Exactly. Tablet, and yes. try and try and get a reflex. Yeah. Um, the residents carried the nice ones around, so I would try to borrow one of theirs when I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, some programs do offer those. Um, mm. Some neurology programs. Oh, we're gonna get into that. Okay. As, as sure. sort of, sorry, as sort of a gift coming in. So we'll right. we'll see. Hopefully, right. I'll have one. Uh, why not psychiatry? The 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 weird cousin of neurology, yeah. or maybe psychiatry. No, maybe neurology is the weird cousin of psychiatry. I don't know. Yeah. yeah no. Sure. Great question. Because um, Freud was a neurologist. People don't know this. I, I dropped Freud into the pod. I love it. Okay. That's great. <laughs> you know he. <laughs> Okay, you know, I I enjoyed my psychiatry rotation. My psychiatry mm-hmm. rotation was in October of my third year, so it was one of my earlier ones. My third my third clerkship, I think. Mm-hmm. And for me, it ended up being neurology because my specific interest in the neurosciences is is being able to um, apply clinically what I understand about neuroanatomy and neurophysiology. Mm-hmm. To be able to, the 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 phrase that's used is localized lesion, and that was really satisfying for me to be able to use the physical exam, um, in that extent to say, well, I've got deficits here, here, and here. Where in the brain, spine, or peripheral nervous system can I can I think about where a lesion might be that could cause these deficits? And for me, it was it was a bit more challenging to to do that in psychiatry in the sense that psychiatry we could understand where something was going on correct me if i'm wrong being a practicing psychiatrist dr chan you know i i could understand sort of on on a much bigger picture um what could be going wrong but not necessarily maybe be able to put my finger on it mm-hmm. on a certain point but nonetheless still being able to really understand you know neurophys um and apply medicine and say well you know you have xy disease we know this medicine affects the dopamine receptors in some sort of way mm-hmm. and then be able to see some really great outcome of that i i think was satisfying in psychiatry for me though going back to it it, it was more of of being able to sort of isolate really a, a specific neuroanatomical mm-hmm. component well, here's a secret, Matt. With that. You're not going to be able to do that on all your patients. No, not, no, I know. I, I, <laughs> You're going to have millions yeah, of dollars of yeah, brain scans and yeah. you still like, can't find it. Yeah, so. yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. I think there's a certain overlap when it comes to medications. There's right. an overlap when it comes to diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And even the boards, even the training, like when I took my psychiatry boards, I think 25% of the questions were neurology. And I think the flip side mm-hmm. is true for you, will mm-hmm. be true for you, mm-hmm. that 25% of your questions will mm-hmm. be psychiatry questions. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of, there's, they're just kind of joined at the hip. No, know? and yeah. I think that's great. I'm really excited to have psychiatry as, as a part of what I'm going to train and mm-hmm. as a part of what I'm going to do. And both specialties, from what I understand, are boarded by the same governing, the same body. governing yeah. body. Exactly. And, and I remember being on my neurology rotation and there there is psychiatric disease coming in. And if, and if it was... Beyond oh, yeah. the you know the expertise of a neurologist, then we get our psych- psychiatry doctors involved, and vice versa. And and what I also find really interesting in that overlap is, is there are um, 
you know, etiologies in neurology, take for instance, a, a non epileptiform kind of seizure. Yeah, let's talk about it. We that, used to call that pseudo seizures, exactly. but that is a non politically correct term. Ex- yep. So now we've moved to say it one more time. What do you, so it, the, the medical term non epileptiform seizures. So, um, let me just give an example. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I see this happen infrequently. But if you're like at a grocery store and someone falls down and is having a seizure and they're shaking, uh, a lot of people that it really is a seizure. A small minority of people, that's not a true seizure. Or as a non-epileptic – say it one more time. No. Non-epileptiform seizure. Yeah. yeah. So, they, so that person, they call the ambulance. They yep. pick them up. They take right. them in. They do the million-dollar workup. They can't find anything that's wrong. They still do a lot of studies, mm-hmm. spinal tap, blood mm-hmm. work, more brain imaging. And that a pseudo seizure, I'll just call it the non PC term. It's kind of a diagnosis of exclusion when it everything is. has been ruled out. Then they think like, oh, there might be more psychiatric origins to this. And the yeah. way I frame it to people, because sometimes people get very offended, sure, sure, say like, well, you know, everyone's brains are different. Mm-hmm. Everyone uh, experiences stress differently, and mm-hmm. our bodies kind of react to that stress in different ways. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm not saying that anyone does it on purpose, right. but sometimes we just can't find organic or a brain reason why someone's having a seizure. And after all avenues have been explored, that's when you start talking about mm, psychiatric reasons. Mm-hmm. So maybe that person just had a really stressful event in their life or something happened, a divorce, a loss of a loved one, things like that. Okay. So, that's yeah. exactly right. Dr. Chen, and those types, yep. sometimes patients, the cool thing about neurology and psychiatry, you're getting me fired up. I love it. Yep. Is that <laughs> there are some patients that will, only see neurologist. It'll never set foot in a psychiatrist's exactly. office. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and vice versa. There are some patients that will only see a psychiatrist and never go near a neurologist. So yep. it's just this the way the system is set up. So, it is. Yeah. And and for me and for you, you know, we get to exist in that beautiful balance, I think, mm-hmm. of psychiatry and neurology. And and that being one example, I, I remember I still remember very clearly the uh, non epileptiform seizure cases that I took on as a med student, both third year and fourth year. Um, just the learning opportunity of it, being exposed to something like that, um, in the sense that it is this really great overlap between mm-hmm. neurology and psychiatric disease. Yeah. There's certain tricks you learn. Like when someone has a true seizure, they call it post-ictal confusion. So people who have a true seizure are usually confused when they wake up. Uh, they oftentimes uh, void or urinate on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a while for mm-hmm. them to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, their bodies are unresponsive to pain usually. Mm-hmm. So I just remember in the ER, a quick trick is like, you know, someone's having a seizure, you go up and say, Hey, Hey, you know, and then like, if they open their eyes and look at you, like what? Like, like if it's a true seizure, you technically shouldn't be able to do that. Exactly. So yeah, there's all these kind of things you learn in the system. Right. So. And certain questions that you ask to help mm-hmm. decide, I mean, you know, this decipher between, uh, if this was epileptiform, mm-hmm. you know, discharge activity, uh, as opposed to non-epileptiform seizure activity. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting, I think. All right, cool. All right, let's 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 jump ahead a little bit. Okay, sure? fourth year starts. Neurology. Yep. Um, how many programs did you apply to? So I applied to nine programs, or no, um, 30, 33 I applied to. That seems like a lot. Was that a lot? It, Is neurology competitive? So what, what, what was the strategy here? Yeah, so... Neurology, I would say, is becoming more and more competitive like everything else. Mm -hmm. It's probably not the most competitive specialty to get into, but it it wouldn't be the least competitive specialty to get into. 
So I applied to 33 programs. Um, I thought that was a pretty good number. Mm -hmm. And the way I did it was I, I ran a list that has all programs by specialty online. And, and I sort of said, you know, what are some institutions that I know uh, that are reputable, reputable for whatever reason? They have great medical programs. They have great research. Um, and, I, and, I, and I would pick those out. And then I would also think about where are places I would be interested in living. And then once I, once I had a pretty good list is when I started to bring in my neurology mentors mm. and, and the residents. And I would ask them, well, you know, what do you think about this program? Would you recommend this program? Would you not recommend this program? And the attendings are, are very helpful in that aspect because neurology is – it probably like psychiatry, it's, it's a bit of a small community. And yeah. so yeah. people are familiar with what people are doing mm -hmm. really across the country at different institutions. And then the residents are extremely helpful too, um, which may not be – which may not be something that I initially had realized right off the bat because, you know, they've done this before I have, and, mm -hmm. and they have, you know, they went and interviewed at some of these programs I'm applying to. And so they could give me a little bit of a rundown before I would even go see a program. And so I would take all of their advice. And then that got me to narrow it down to about 33. Okay. So sent 33 offers out there. 33. Um, and, and also, you know, like prelims, but that's a whole different conversation. We won't get into yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so how many interview offers did you get? So I got 10. Okay. So which, which I think is a, what was a fairly good return rate. Mm -hmm. Um, that was my goal was to apply to so many and get about a third in response. Okay. And so, so every single interview offer you did, you got, did you end up interviewing or did you cancel any? No. So I canceled one. Okay. So I ended up going on nine interviews and, um, well, before we get there, uh, did you do any away rotations during fourth year? Good question. You know, I, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And it, I, here's how I feel about away rotations, Dr. Chan, is that I think in some specialties it's becoming more and more required to do an away rotation, maybe not required on paper, but I think in order to develop those networks mm -hmm. and institutions. So a lot of the surgical subspecialties uh, will do away rotations, things like dermatology, which is a, a very competitive mm -hmm. specialty, because I think that gets people, if, if somebody goes to an institution and does well, it it um, it helps create some of those networks, if you will. And then it's also a good conversational piece during an interview. For neurology, it, it's it's getting there, but it, it's still at a point where an away rotation is left to whether or not a student really wants to do one. Mm -hmm. So if a student has a, a, a serious interest in going to a really high-profile program, they might apply for an away rotation to this program and then they would try to, you know, they would go there and they would give it their best shot. Kind Hopefully of like an audition. Well. Exactly yeah. right. And I think some of them are called audition rotations, mm -hmm. if I know correctly. Um, so there, there's that case. I, 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 I did my sub-internship here and I did a lot of neurology electives here. And I felt that was adequate for me to know that neurology is where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And knowing, too, that I was coming from a strong institution here at the University of Utah, I had great mentorship. Um, I, I didn't feel... I, I didn't feel that I needed to pursue an away rotation, mm -hmm. but I, I don't have anything against it. And I would say if somebody was really interested to pursue that. Okay. So nine programs, nine, uh, mm -hmm. what are some good stories from out there on the interview trail? Anything strange happen? 
do you want to hand you like a reflex hammer in the middle of the interview <laughs> and say, okay, patella reflex, yeah. go. You know, some of my, some, some of my <laughs> friends who are going into surgical subspecialties or, or surgery kind of talk about, you know, these, these stories where the interviewer will bring out the game operation or ask him to make origami in front of him or something like that. <laughs> you know, oh, those uh, stories are yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, neurology. I think that violates a lot of rules. That right. Set up. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, neurology was very conversational. Okay. And so I, I got asked the standard questions, the appropriate questions, why neurology, why this program, you know, what, what is your story? Why did you want to go to medical school? And then really the interview kind of took off from there. Um, so I, I, you know, I can't think of, of the nine that I went on, I cannot think of like a, a, a story that would be as good as. So good experiences, all nine. Yeah. To be honest with you, th there was one program where, um, you know, I, I, I went there and I, I thought it was going to be good, but it didn't go well. It, it was just, Weird vibes, different vibes. Yeah, okay. yeah, and and I think that's that's a that's an experience that everyone has. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you go out, you interview, uh, good experiences at most of them, mm -hmm. almost all of them. Mm -hmm. And how did you make your rank list? How did you do that? What was walk me through the steps? And if you want to involve your wife in this discussion, you can. Absolutely. So, yeah. No, that that was a big part. So that I wish I had the best answer for that. Um, if you just want to do it randomly, you just question. say that. Yeah. You know, I, there really for me, quality of the program was mm -hmm. a big factor. And I, I got, I got a strong sense of that from the feedback from my attending mentors and the residents here. And then when I went to interview, it was really sort of a subjective sense of how well do I feel I gel here, mm -hmm. gel with the residents at the pre-interview dinner. How am I, um, how are the interviews going with the faculty? What do I think of the facilities? Things like that. And then, so th I would say that was priority for me and that was priority for my wife too. We were both really adamant about finding a program where I'm going to get the best training and I, and I feel the most comfortable in terms of creating that rank list. You know, other things I consider too was location. Um, but me being an Idaho boy, you know, going to New York, um, you would think that if somebody wasn't interested in going far, uh, that may have not been as high on the list, but it ended up being the program was just so great. So yeah, let's talk about it. Rochester. Yeah. Rochester. So I matched at Rochester. Um, and I was very happy about that. And you've never been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I told the program director, I said, you know, I, I had never been out in the Northeast before. I had never mm -hmm. been in New York. This is my first time. I'm very excited to be here. Mm -hmm. I love exploring new areas. And you didn't ask about the Statue of Liberty, did you? You know, I didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not no. New York City. Right, exactly. No, I, I, uh, I studied up a little bit okay. you know, on, on geography <laughs> of New Apple. York before yeah. I went. No. Okay. Um, and it, I just fell in love with it, Dr. Mm -hmm. Chan. Like, you know, I was at the pre-interview dinner with the residents and I, I just felt everything was gelling so nicely. Um, I felt that the personalities really fit with the personality that I have and the interests of the residents. And then I interviewed with all of the faculty and it was just exceptional. And I mean, the program has a strong reputation for training good neurology, uh, for good neurology training. And 
when you know when I walked away from that program, it was really gosh, if if I could go one place, this would be it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I would I would give credit to the program director who um, has made quite an impeccable career out of neurology education, and I think that reflects in the program mm-hmm. very well. A lot of the faculty um, at University of Rochester also take a strong invested interest in education of residents. It's a phenomenal research institution. I knew I would get great clinical training, um, be able to see a wide diversity of pathologies, um, you know, engage in patient care as a resident should. Mm-hmm. And so I had the conversation with my wife, and it just became a matter of, you know, this is this is the place we want to give a shot to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we fell in love with the idea of moving to New York, to be quite honest with you. Um, upstate, you know, we weren't being transplanted into something like New York City, mm-hmm. uh, where it may have been a little bit more challenging uh, to transition coming from Idaho and mm-hmm. living in teaching in a small town and then coming to Salt Living Lake in City. in a 300-square-foot apartment. Yeah, exactly Manhattan, right. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Trying to afford something like that. Um, so it really just kind of all came together. And, and it, you know, the the one piece of feedback I get um, by, by when I would ask residents, you know, when you go to these programs, how do you really know which one you want to rank high, middle, low, which one you want to give, you know, your number one shot to? And they would always tell me, well, it's kind of the subjective sense in your gut that you just feel everything going really well and mm. everything's gelling together. And that's where I felt it. And so that's where I ended up wanting to give a shot. And mm. I'm so excited that it happened. Yeah. So uh, when you opened up your envelope on match day, surprised? Did you punk your wife? How, how, what happened? <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I was uh, – so we submitted our rank list and we had about three weeks, three and a half weeks until match day. Cause it takes the computer program that long. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I was doing okay in terms of not feeling nervous. I was keeping busy on a, on a busy inpatient rotation. And then it was five minutes up until we went to get the envelope that I started thinking, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous here. No, no, let's be honest. I'm nervous, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling the vibes and things like that. I, I grab the envelope and I open it and, and I really don't know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I'm hoping that it's Rochester. I, I do know that, but if not, I'm also thinking, Gosh, there's really kind of a point or I'm at a point where I, I know that I've matched because we find out five days before whether we match or not. I know I'm going to match in a neurology because that's the only specialty I applied to. So I know I'm going to be a neurologist. So there was some comfort in that. Um, but it was still, you know, nervous opening up that envelope and, and with the hope of, okay, I, I really hope, you know, I, I get to go to a program. Um, you know, I, I would have been happy going to any of them. I ranked all the programs I interviewed at, but you know, thinking that because it is a rank list, just thinking to myself, I, I hope I, I hope I get a chance at that number one. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So elation, yes, excitement, yes, sort sort relief. of relief. Yeah. So yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, a, a weight off the shoulder sort of thing. You know, sort of. Uh, I could almost sense the neurotransmitters flowing through oh, my brain. Right? Good neurological <laughs> right? psychiatric right. analogy. No, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a natural yeah. high. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's a that's a great way to put it. A natural high. It really was, and it was a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd I'd have to give a shout out to my class because everyone that talked to me about where they were, you know, hoping to give a, a 
a shot to and go, uh, wound up doing really well, getting, getting a chance to go where they wanted. Um, most of the people that I know matched pretty well Mm -hmm. into the specialties that they wanted. So, you know, I I think overall we had a, we had a good time at match day, Dr. Chan at the U. So have you gone back out there to find a place or how do you find a place once on the other side of the country? Right. Great question. So that, that was a struggle at first and it ended up being that we did a lot of internet research Okay. and we identified places we'd want to think we could live. Mm Mm-hmm. And what was important to us was that getting as close to the hospital as possible because mm-hmm. just of how busy, I mean, you know, busy and exhausting mm-hmm. intern year and residency is. And, and I strongly felt that the less time I was commuting, the more time I could be at home. That was my own personal preference. Um, or the more time I could be at the hospital, I guess, <laughs> whichever you want. And so that was important to me. And so we uh, used that as, as a gauge. And then we found some places and then one place we really liked and we gave them a call first and they were interested in having us. And then we weren't able to go out and see it. But what we could do is we FaceTimed with the landlord. Oh, wow. And so we did a FaceTime kind of virtual tour so of the facility. Like picked up the phone and kind of spanned. Yeah, exactly. Know, so I think that's yeah. a great way to go if someone is moving um, far away for a residency program. Okay. So you haven't actually been out there since you – Not since them. I interviewed, right? Okay. Right. So – Drive, fly. How are you gonna go out there? Yeah, so we're driving. We we're gonna see the country. Yeah. We are. We're gonna take about five days. We're gonna leave probably about a week after graduation. Okay. Taking a truck, taking a car, and um, just kind of enjoying the ride there. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get settled in about one to two days, and then we leave for a vacation. And then I come back from vacation, and then start. Then it starts. Start internship. Wow. Yep. Wow. Um, Matt. This has been a really good talk. Last few minutes, mm-hmm. um, tips, advice you give to those out there who are at the beginning of the journey. Um, people who might be applying to med school the upcoming year, who may not have gotten to med school this year but are reapplying. What, what would you say to people? Yeah, I think with the perspective of the wisdom you have of kind of being near the end of your undergraduate medical career and about to start your graduate medical career. Right. So I guess I'll – I'll give two big pieces of advice that I think could apply to undergraduates who are thinking about applying to medical school, those that have applied um, and are submitting reapplication or even medical students. And, and one of them is, you know, I think always reminding oneself why they wanted to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, times will get hard. It's, it's a challenging field to be in, but it, it's, an exceptionally rewarding field to be in something you could probably speak to more than I could, but things will get, you know, things will get tough. And, and I think finding ways and tools, whatever that might be to remind oneself, um, you know, why did I want to do this? And for me, that was occasionally revisiting some of my personal statements, thinking back to the reasons why I wanted to go to medical school. You know, that's not to say that, you know, there's more downs than ups. It's just that when there are those downs, I think that's a good way to think about it. And then, um, my second piece of advice, which is probably the most important, no matter where somebody is at in their stage of training or learning is to find good mentors. And it doesn't have to be somebody for everything. Right. So I have, I have a, I have a research mentor. I have a 
<clears throat> I have clinical mentors. I, you know, I had academic mentors, um, mentors for my leadership roles. And these are people that weren't assigned you per se. You it, sought them out. Exactly right. So I think there's this like yeah. viewpoint that like, you know, like, oh, like if you want a mentor, it gets assigned to you. And that doesn't really happen at this level. It's more like who you connect with. And yeah, exactly right. Them. Exactly yeah. right. So, you know, I would develop an interest and I would find somebody who was an expert in that interest and I would approach them and, and we'd have a conversation and then things would go from there. And so I think there is initiative on, on the, on the mentee, I guess. Um, but I think that's so important because these mentors, you know, are, are experts in all these different areas and they've, they've been in the position that we would be in as a medical student. So they know they have this experience and I think that's invaluable. And I think really taking advantage of that while somebody um, is in medical school or at any point in their training is probably some of the best advice I can give. And here at the U, I mean, I, I will hands down say that everyone that I have met is extremely interested, excited about medical education, mm -hmm. mentoring medical students and so it's really, um, it's there for the taking here at the U. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Matt, it's been a joy to have you. I wish you the very best. I'll see you in graduation mm -hmm. in a few days. Um, and then we'll stay in touch because so. I think you're going to wind up back here in the West. Who well, knows? Yep. Maybe, maybe New York will seduce you. Yeah. Uh, but I think you'll be back here. I just no, have that yeah. feeling. So we'll see. I'd and love then maybe we can team up and have another podcast. Or work on some patients together. Yeah, we, you know, we consult each other. Exactly yeah. right. We got to talk more about this psychiatry. Oh yeah, we can. <laughs> oh, you can come back. And we can do like this pod, like neuro versus psych, and we can like delve into different cases. Oh, I love it. All right. I love it. No, thanks so much for having me, Doctor Chan. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to staying in touch. All right, you take care, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Doctor Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.